G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. And we love hearing from the team from Family Voice here at Vision. And it's a privilege to welcome onto the airwaves today, Andrew McColl. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Matt. It's nice to talk to you again. It's great to have you back on the airwaves with us. And we love standing up for family values here at Vision Uh, something that Family Voice does so well. You've released an article recently called The Family on the Front Foot. And I noticed a a quote there from one of my favorite Bible verses, Psalm 68.5, that God is a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Psalm 68.5 and 6, one of my favorite scriptures. I quote it regularly. Mate, you've uh, you've quoted this as an introduction for your latest article, The Family on the Front Foot. Do you want to unpack uh, the heart behind this new article? Certainly. Well, what we know is that, is that God has established the family, the church, and the state as, as viable and vital institutions. And all three have their role to play, and all three are essential. And uh, when we come back to that text that you just quoted from Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6, we understand that, well, it's, it's actually a beautiful passage explaining to us that God himself is a father to the fatherless and a judge of the widows. And so he's the original maker of family. And we tend, tend to think in terms of, oh, dad and mum are the kids, which is true. But actually, God has a family too. He is a father. And he has his children, and uh, his children are, of course, believers who trust in him. So we we can be confident in those three institutions, the family, the church, and the state, that if they are doing what they ought to be doing, and that's a challenge sometimes, we can be confident about the future. And our role as in terms of uh, family people, as, as husbands and wives, uh, as parents, is that we want to see God's will brought about in family as much as we can, and we all have lots of roles to play in all of that. And, you know, it's so important that we speak up about this because the family is under attack more than ever. I have, you know, when you look at mainstream media and you look at what's happening in, you know, the education system, you know, wherever you turn, you see new definitions and things changing so quickly before our eyes, and it's such an attack on the family. Um, do you want to just update us on, you know, wh- what can we do to make sure that we speak up uh, for the family in this time? Well, we have to take our, our roles as parents from Scripture seriously, and we have to say, take, take Scripture and say, well, this tells me what I'm to do as a husband or a wife and as a parent. And we can't neglect anything that the Bible teaches about this. Now, when we come to 
what the Lord said about Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, we get one of these early definitions of the role of a father and, and, and also the role of a parent. God said concerning Abraham, I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So there's a lot in that passage and there's a lot for us to meditate on, but we have to take it seriously that there are tasks which parents have and that which God expects us to fulfil. And therefore we can say, well, okay, Lord, thank you for that challenge here from Genesis 18, 19. Man, how can I fulfil this with, with my wife and my children? How can I, I be teaching them the way of the Lord? How can I be discipling them in order that the, the promises to me as a godly father uh, and now as a grandfather can be fulfilled in my children as I seek to follow the Lord? Absolutely, mate. And just while we're having our chat, you know, we're actually filming this uh, for our YouTube and TikTok and things like that. Uh, just wondering if you could just check your video settings because apparently the video is not working. So uh, we're on Skype at the moment. If you could just have a look at that. Uh, it's one thing that we're very uh, proactive about here at Vision. We, we don't just want to broadcast the audio. We want to use the video as well for, for social media as well. So if you could check that for me, mate. Now, while we're having this conversation too, it makes me think about government overreach. Uh, you know, all around the world you see uh, governments uh, trying to influence the education system and uh, the welfare system and, and the health system, um, and, and, and they just stick their nose in with way too much weight. Uh, do you see that happening in Australia? I do see that happening in Australia, and I see it happening a lot. And because we've gotten used to this in Australia, we've gotten used to overreach from government. And so that the, the traditional family tasks, and I include in that <clears throat> education and health and welfare, under the pretexts of things like welfare or the government is caring for you or progressivism, they've been undermined and the culprit frequently has been government itself insisting on its control of the family while they impose on the family their agendas, which in my view are quite humanistic and quite hostile to the Christian faith. And, and that has lots of implications. It was one well-known educator that you may or may not have heard of by the name of John Taylor Gatto. He said that government schooling is the most radical adventure in history. It kills the family by monopolising the best times of childhood and by teaching disrespect for home and parents. And so over many decades, we've seen this tendency for government overreach, both in Australia and around the world, and that's led to a decline in education outcomes. It's meant poorer outcomes for the, for the nation's health, an extremely expensive welfare system that doesn't and cannot work well, along with things like no-fault divorce, anti-discrimination laws, and government health departments embracing transgender ideology, leading now in Australia to, in 2023 to young people of 
12, 14, 16 actually being sterilized. Mm. So we have to ask ourselves, what is happening in this country? And, you know, I saw a comment in your article that uh, the Australian has said that in emergency wards of Australia's education system, there's 400,000 struggling school students still waiting for someone to help them. What are your thoughts on that? Is that the yeah, <clears throat> public education system right around Australia is failing and it's failing dismally. And in my opinion, there's no real hope that anybody will be able to ever turn around the education system in Australia. So rather than, rather than you and I feeling as if we've got to try and make this thing happen and make sure that the, the education system is working, we chose a different route 33 years ago, my wife Sue and I. We decided we're going to home educate our children. And uh, we were living down in Dubbo in New South Wales and we actually had some friends of ours who were homeschooling their children and we jumped into that and we have never looked back we've never thought for us a second that we'd had done the wrong thing and now our children our three children our three sons uh, they've enjoyed being homeschooled they enjoyed home and family life and they got educated and now they're out in the workforce and Today, they're, they're doing their thing and two of them are married and we have five grandchildren. And so it worked. And it did mean that we had to change what we were going to do and, and it meant that my wife Sue was going to have to be home all the time and she wasn't going to be working and there wasn't going to be bringing in that second income. But it meant that the family unit was able to thrive and do well and children liked being, or our children liked being home and they liked their mother's cooking <laughs> and they liked lots and lots of things about being home with dad and mum much of the time. So we were, we were grateful that we were able to take that stand and make those choices and looking back on it, we've never once thought we might have done the wrong thing. Well, you know, my wife and I tried homeschooling during lockdown. <laughs> of course, it was all online back then. Uh, I think we lasted eight weeks and, and then the kids were allowed to go back to school. And we, we seriously considered it. Uh, but being pastors, um, my, my wife uh, really didn't have the margin in her life with all her ministry responsibilities. Uh, and, you know, we still weigh it up. You know, they're in grade 10 and 11 now. We, we've weighed it up uh, over the last couple of years. And you know what? We've seen so many friends of ours who've taken their kids out of the school systems uh, to homeschool them. And, you know, one of the criticisms is people say, oh, homeschooling kids don't have as good social skills. But let me tell you that kids I know that have been homeschooled have better social skills than most kids I know. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that criticism, that, that they mightn't have as good social skills if they're taken out of school? Well, the funny thing is no one's ever been able to prove that. Yeah. And and it's a very easy kind of thing to, to, to kind of sling at someone yeah. well, they won't be properly educated or, or they won't be able to socialise. Yeah. Well, actually what we tend to find is that when children are at home with their, with their family and with their parents, they're actually getting better social skills mm. because down in the local, say, public system, 
we're going to be picking up some habits, uh, some attitudes, some ideas, some language that you and your wife and me and my wife might not be altogether thrilled about. Mm. Uh, we tend to find that children who spend time with lots of different age groups, especially adults, they tend to learn the, the attitudes and the moral views of the adults rather than be governed by their peer group at school. And um, w when a child is in a peer group of six-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 14-year-olds, that peer group pressure tends to influence a child fairly heavily. Now, when we're talking about uh, 12 years of education, that's, that, that equates to 14,400 hours of exposure to the attitudes of the classroom. And that's a long time. And that means that's 14,400 hours that they're not with dad and mum and they're not doing things that dad and mum may want them to be doing. So what I'm saying is that you actually get a, a, a child who's, in my opinion, is actually going to be, and as you commented too, Matt, uh, they're often showing more mature attitudes than the child that's, 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 that's going to that, that public system. Mm. And, you know, some of the stories I'm hearing from schools, uh, you know, I've got some friends that are uh, teachers in state schools and, you know, I've, I've heard stories of some kids that are identifying as unicorns, identifying as furries or cats, and the the teachers are allowing it. They're saying, oh, well, if that's what you want to be, you, you know, it's 2023, you can be what you want, you can choose your own identity, and, you know, and if they speak up against it, you know, some of these teachers that are Christian friends of mine, if they speak up against it, they're in danger of losing their job because, you know, they, they should let the kids be what they want to be. And this this is just where, you know, evil is being called good and good is being called evil in these last days. It's just crazy when you hear some of these stories, isn't it, Andrew? Well, it is, and I think you're better off saying saying to to the to your children, "Hey, look, how can I actually fulfil what the Lord told me to do through what He told Abraham? How can I go about the business of preparing my child or children for adulthood?" for maturity, for responsibility, for common sense, and as some said common sense isn't so common these days, and rather than leave a child in a system where they've got children around them who are adopting attitudes that you and I would say, look, that is just not acceptable for a child to be exposed to that. What what do we think we're doing letting our, our child sit in a classroom with someone that thinks they're a unicorn? It's just not right. It's just not appropriate. And while I understand that children sometimes come up with some funny ideas and think that they're this or think that they're that, hey, meanwhile, back at the ranch, what do we want for children? Do we want them to, grow, to be growing up in life in years to come thinking they're going, that they're going to accept responsibility, accept normality, accept life as God has defined it, rather than some very unfortunate um, fantasy that says, oh, well, my dad and mum think I'm a girl, uh, but actually I think I'm a boy, and therefore I'm going to ta take some steps as a consequence because my teacher said that I can. So... So the teacher must, well, maybe my teacher's right, 
and and maybe my parents are just so off of the theories and, and lost it, uh, and they're not making room for me to be who I really feel that I might be. Well, all of that stuff in the long term does not help a young person to think realistically about themselves, first of all, and secondly about about the way that God has made them. And so we, I'm, I'm going to say, look, I just don't think that's something that a child should ever be exposed to seriously. Well, it's been awesome to hear a bit of your heart for the importance of families today, Andrew. Uh, if people want to find out more, uh, what's the website for Family Voice? They can go to uh, familyvoice.org.au and, um, yep, they, we're going to find lots of stuff on there in terms of raising children uh, and and family and some of the challenges that are, that are around us today. I mean, it was Gary North who said, family unit, which is central to the construction and reconstruction of culture, the day-to-day instruction in righteousness, which all child-rearing involves, is the very heart of a civilization. It's the law order imparted by parents to children, which will determine the success or failure of a society. Mm, Well said, mate. And of course, uh, with Family Voice, uh, Andrew, you're available to speak at churches and uh, events if people want to book you. Uh, you, Yes, I am. Travel all around Australia, I I take it? Well, I I haven't been asked (laughs) to go around Australia just yet, but I'm certainly happy to think about that and (laughs) even do things like we're doing today with Skype and with Zoom, etc. Yeah, awesome. Well, if people want to book you, uh, they can go to the website familyvoice.org.au, search up Family Voice on social media as well. Uh, you guys do a great job standing up for the family and for biblical worldview values. Thank you so much for your time, Andrew. God bless. Thank you, Matt. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.